Hey, this is Les Coffee House. We are talking about what's going on for October 2nd, 2020. I feel really loud here. I'm in a new, undisclosed location, but I feel really loud. Okay, so first, we've got the debate that just happened, <laughs> and I did not watch it. I sure did not. This was something that it just felt like it was going to be uh, painful, <laughs> painful to watch. Given the particular styles um, that were going to be conflicting there, Trump, which is just rhetorical brute force rather than wit, cleverness, or creativity, and then you have Biden, who's just reanimated dead person. So uh, I wasn't really looking forward to that, being somebody who's very interested in the finer points of debate. But the big story that comes out of it, and the only one that I saw anybody really talking about, was the white supremacist storyline yet again and it's hilarious because there are multiple tweets that come from many of trump's like jim acosta tweeted right after trump denounced white supremacy the last time that oh he finally denounced white supremacy and then they say okay he wouldn't do it this time now when you watch the actual footage because i i saw the headlines and i was like oh again why is there controversy what did he do this time <laughs> and so then i actually watch it so he says sure twice and something to the effect of of course of course i'll do that but then switches over to blame antifa because obviously antifa and blm related protesters and rioters are the ones who are responsible for all the most recent destruction and killing, etc. So, everybody should know how Trump's brain works at this point, <laughs> and shouldn't be surprised when he doesn't launch into some empty diatribe about X or Y. Biden brought up the Proud Boys. Proud Boys are not some generic white supremacist group. They are this kind of male-exclusive militia, the leader of which is actually a Cuban. I think he's Cuban and black. Was it Enrique Tario, I think his name is? But they explicitly on their website, you know, I had to check because I didn't know much about them at the time this happened. I knew I had an inkling that they weren't a white supremacist group, but I had to go double check. And uh, they explicitly call themselves anti-racist and have members of all races. <laughs> of course, that doesn't stop people on Twitter or the media in general. But whatever the case, I mean, it doesn't doesn't particularly matter. The point is that he has repeatedly denounced white supremacy, specifically said the bigotry and hatred of any kind is bad. And you would have to point to specific policies that are put into place. Obviously, anybody can say anything, but specific policies put into place that are demonstrative of an ideology. And when it comes to policies, the things that he's done, the things that he's done for people of all races, all that sort of thing, I think the record speaks for itself. If you objectively look at the fact of the kinds of things that he's done, not just the rhetoric that he's used, although that has very often been very supportive of the whole idea of not judging people on the basis of their race. But if you look at the record, it's it's very clear that there has been tremendous benefit for everybody. And then I think earlier today, we just learned that he had been infected with coronavirus. So now he's going to Walter Reed. He just had a statement before Walter Reed. He looked pretty haggard. <laughs> so it's a little concerning, but he's apparently going to Walter Reed to get treatment. Hopefully, hopefully you know, obviously he's in an age group that has a greater risk factor. So we'll have to see. There were some, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, blue check marks uh, or anybody in general. There are some fringe people that said some horrible things related to it, but obviously on any topic, you can expect that on Twitter. But otherwise, it was mostly well-wishers. And the thing about that is hilarious to me is that the people wishing him well now, you know, the Democrats, are the same ones who will call him this horrible demonic tyrant and provide cover to the burning down of cities 
and but they'll call him the worst things imaginable you know all the worst isms that you can think of and repeat that all over the place and the media will repeat these things and uh, you see it I, I mean I see it infecting all sorts of people I talk to now who are otherwise just completely uninterested in politics but the only thing they can say about him is that he's an ist and that ist and the other ist so they'll call him the worst things imaginable but now there's this weird dissonance that they'll start saying oh no but uh, yeah let's hope he's healthy it's just it's a little I mean it's a little infuriating I mean it just suggests that it's such a game it's just like when Kamala Harris was uh, Kamala Harris was asked about I think by Stephen Colbert she was asked about all the horrible things that she said about Joe Biden in the debate uh, how he was a racist and wanted to keep that she, he worked with segregationists and wanted to keep that little girl out of that bus to go to that school and she's like it's a debate and then does her evil maniacal banshee cackle there's just such duplicity it's unbelievable and there's something that you know when I was in undergrad it was all democratic stuff where I went all the time and you know I was always challenging bias where I saw it but I still I didn't pick up as readily as I should have when it came to you know I don't know I only read liberal news sources so I didn't know what was completely wrong or what I was missing I read the New Yorker religiously and so I was getting that perspective and that was the main perspective that I agreed with and so I have no idea by this point but anyway I just I think it's something is so wrong when it comes to the way that the Democratic Party and the media are performing right now what they're doing it's shocking there's just so little integrity right now on that side and I don't I don't know what exactly I mean I know kind of what happened they were shocked by the election and the media obviously has a personal vendetta against the guy because he's constantly talking about how terrible they are but there's just something I mean the way that they completely ignore everything that has to do with Flynn and spying on the Trump campaign and the involvement of Obama and Biden and the FBI and all this stuff that has come out just extremely good evidence has come out to demonstrate these things and still they just they treat it like it's a conspiracy theory there's no way to do that I mean these things have gone through the courts there are notes specifically from the FBI agent who talks about these things there are clear records that show that this the whole investigation into Flynn was going to be squashed because there wasn't evidence and they decided there wasn't evidence and then there was an intervention by the White House and suddenly the, it's reopened again. And Biden himself advocated use of, there's the the one act that hadn't been used to prosecute anybody in like decades, but he was the one who suggested it. These are part of the FBI agent's note, Peter Strzok. And still they just want to say, no, it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Don't worry about it. It's the most consequential, ridiculous, terrifying thing to come out of any investigations in the last four years. I mean, that I can even think of, period. But the media just, they don't want to talk about it. I mean, this is exactly where integrity needs to come in. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so there's a there's a tweet, I think, who was it, who said that, was it Chris Evans, Captain America? He retweeted this uh, rep who was talking about Big Pharma and how prices for this one cancer drug had gone up by $500 over the last few years, and the implication being that they're so terrible and evil and they're just trying to price gouge, even though that's not really a thing that can exist in a capitalist economy. Um... <laughs> The whole point and the whole need for robust competition is so that if anybody gets out of line, then somebody else can undercut them, take their customers with a better product, and we all get to move on because nobody knows what the right price of a cancer medication is. And this is, I mean, this is something that Trump has been recently pushing his controls on prescription drugs, which I, I mean, I'm totally against this kind of thing. It's a short-term effort that has long-term bad consequences. I understand he's trying to shore up the 
older, you know, in-between liberal vote or whatever, but still, it's it's one of those things, it, like, we either dive in and ruin the way this whole thing works, or we open it up, let it shake out, and then figure out if we need to jump in to fix this little part or that little part. It's, it's just a bad idea, but anyway, this rep specifically was talking about how the price went up, and then she's, she's like, saying, oh my gosh, how dare you do this? Pharmaceutical company, raise your prices this much. Did the drug become more efficient? Did it become better? And the guy was trying to explain that, well, actually, it became more useful to more people, so that's what causes the price to go up. It's increased demand, so you have the same supply, increased demand. The price is going to go up, and she's still pressing him. And they keep doing this thing, too, where they use this reclaim my time, which isn't, it's the wrong use for this. It's it's supposed to be a mechanism, you know, when you're in, in the Senate or the House or whatever, and you're at one of these hearings, uh, you're supposed to use reclaim my time in a particular way, but they started using it to shut people up when they were answering questions now and then <laughs> i think they originally started doing that during the kavanaugh hearings but it's really annoying it's really really annoying Anyway, so uh, I know we've talked about economics in general, and the whole point is nobody knows what a cancer drug should cost. And for politicians to sit there and start talking about how, oh, well, how dare you raise your price? How how can it possibly cost this much? And obviously they have, I mean, virtually no knowledge whatsoever about what goes into this. That's why we need competition when it comes to developing drugs, when it comes to anything, making cheeseburgers, anything else. That's why we need competition. When you have two self-interested entities, who are going as hard as they can at each other, then you're going to increase efficiency and they're going to be trying to outdo each other. When you have a random politician saying that, oh, well, it costs $700, I think it should cost $300. Done. That's not how reality works. And so obviously there are millions of factors that go into this particular pharmaceutical company developing this particular drug at this particular time. They are most aware and their competition is most aware of what goes into it and what increases costs or decreases costs or how much money they're making on it or not making on it, where they're getting their contracts or not getting their contracts, all that stuff. There are so many factors that go into it. what kind of talent they have available, what kind of processing they have, the testing they need to do, the regulations they have to abide by, all of those things they have to take into consideration when they're pricing out something. And do you think it's easy to price in R&D into a drug that you've spent the last, you know, four decades developing in a million different ways with a bunch of different scientists and tons of different entities and international national companies and all that sort of stuff. It's easy to just price that in to figure out, okay, well, this is what it should it should cost just because one representative from one state decides that, oh, well, you've raised these prices. My basic addition here has determined that this is unjust. It's so insane. And then you've got just morons online who just say, oh, well, yeah, well, if somebody has cancer, they deserve treatment. Like, you can just, by fiat, extol some moral virtue and that's just going to solve all the world's problems. Like, they could have, you know, a thousand years ago, we could have had people wandering around in the desert and just said, you know what? People deserve to eat and deserve shelter. And that's how it would just work out. We have a system like this for the specific purpose of creating the most efficient mechanism for making sure the most people can have the most things at any given time and have the most opportunity and the most freedom and the most happiness, all that sort of thing. And every time, I, I mean, I don't know how recently we talked about this, but the whole point is that capitalism specifically is based on consent. That's the foundation of capitalism. Socialism is based on force. 
not consent. It's specifically based on being able to force people to do things. So it's hilarious. Capitalism is consensual relationships between people deciding that they should contract or not contract, trade this, trade that, whatever. Socialism is specifically based on where you have to force people to do specific things so that we can get specific things. But uh, we need to push back against this nonsense because obviously when you're going through undergrad, you know, when you're a kid, you want to feel like, okay, I need to be here. I need to be important. So I need to be the one who's coming up with the new ideas. So that's where we end up is that they like that idea. And I remember being sold socialism by my professors in undergrad, but they like the idea because it's, it's different from what we have now. So it makes you important, but we have to push back on this nonsense and recognize that this broad ideological brush where they're just say, oh no, so real socialism has never been tried anywhere. We can have a planned everything and all that nonsense. We have to realize that it's absolutely hilarious, fundamentally hilarious, that we have a bunch of people who are talking about the greatest country to have ever existed in the history of the world, the most prosperous, with the most innovation, all that, the most opportunity, all that stuff. They want to tear that country down. You know, it's not some horrid country somewhere else in the world that has no running water, no plumbing, all that sort of thing. It's the most advanced <laughs> prosperous country in the history of the world is what they're talking about it needs to be torn down and rebuilt from the ground up that's insanity pure insanity anyway so to finish off with mario 64 so <laughs> i got the three pack of mario games i've never played mario 64 before that thing it's it's like i'm having an existential crisis i absolutely hate that game more than ver almost more than i hate josh hartnett almost i really really hate this game and i have to beat it i can't stop playing this stupid thing but their controls and sometimes when you just want to turn around like you're on a platform and you just want to turn around that's all you want your little mario plumber son of a to do but he has to walk to the side to be able to turn around so he does like this u-turn <laughs> instead of just popping around you know in one place and then he'll walk off the platform and get you killed it's devastating is what it really is. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to share that with you. There are some really clever things in it, honestly. And it's kind of cool to go around having to collect the stars because they have a lot of secret stars that you have to do really fun things to be able to get them. And so there's a lot of good stuff in there. But otherwise, I absolutely hate it and I banish it to the pits of hell. But I'm still going to beat it. I haven't seen Tenet yet <laughs> and uh, I got mixed reviews. I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I absolutely love it. I think it's my favorite Tarantino movie. It might be one of my favorite movies to come out, you know, in the last decade or something like that. It's it's actually really, really good. Happy to explain it if anybody has questions. Because <laughs> it's, it's actually really intricate. There are a lot of really awesome things going on there. So this is long enough. I don't need to keep talking to you guys. Uh, I really appreciate you, you listening. It's starting to get colder and we're reaching the deep dark months before the rebirth. So we'll see. We'll see how this happens. But otherwise, thank you again so much for listening to this last coffee house. I will see you on the next one. All right, bye.